Hey everybody, welcome to Robservations, yet another trip down the Robservations Highway. I am Rob Liefeld. These are my Robservations. Uh, I, I have been in comics 34 years. I write them, I draw them, I create fun characters. I have had an absolute blast. This has um, exceeded all of my dreams. Last year, I decided to start speaking into this mic exactly one year ago. Exactly one year ago as I'm giving you this podcast. And we have gone through a journey of comic books and pop culture because that's all I see all around me. And it's weird. It's it's weird. It's fun. It's fascinating that my all the stuff that I loved as a kid that was somewhat marginalized as a kid is now the premier domain, the premier dominion of pop and entertainment. It's it's on your it's on your checkout stand at the at the at the you know, at the grocery store when they're they they have an Avengers DVD or a Justice League DVD, there it is, right there, right next to your candy bars and your TV guide and your People magazine is your your Blu-ray you know DVD. It's it's in the vending machines, at the car wash. It is at the car wash. There are little mini mini figurines that you can buy of all the Marvel characters um, that are based on the way they appear in their most popular representations in film. In that same car wash, there are Deadpool um, air fresheners. I don't really even want to know what that smells like, but I, I bought one, but I haven't unwrapped it yet. But there's Deadpool air fresheners. There's Deadpool like like um, shade guards that you put across your <laughs> across your you know your your window, your front window of your car. I mean, so, so that so that you get less sun. It's just. It's everywhere, you guys. It's it's they're happy meals. They're in your food. They're in your toys. They're in your TV. They're that they, you never escape them. And and that is what really launched Robservations. So here we are. And today, more comics, more pop culture. Um, just we're just gonna grab it and we're gonna go. And and the thing that I really always observe the most is creators. Because I've said I, I don't follow characters. I follow creators. Very seldomly do I follow uh, characters. There are characters who I have loved in the past who I have not bought their comic book in maybe two decades. I won't name the characters, but they're all over the place from both companies. I just I follow the creators. The reason that I bring up Frank Miller as often as I do is... Because he made me love Daredevil. He made me love Batman. He made me care about the Battle of Thermopylae with 300. He he made me like crime noir pulp books with Sin City. As a creator, he just, wherever he showed up, he always delivered the goods to me. Another reason I bring up Frank as a side note, and I was thinking about this the other day, is as time has gone by, I see people attempt to marginalize him. And it, it's weird to me. I don't understand that at all. But I have been on Facebook groups and in Twitter threads that try and peel, that, that try and um, take away so many of his amazing accomplishments. And it, it, it's straight up offensive to me. Uh, everything is of its time. And in that time, the change that was enacted, and if it was enacted by a creator, it shook everybody. And Frank shook everybody and changed the way that we depicted Daredevil. I've said it numerous times, every depiction of Daredevil you have seen in pop culture the last 25 years is a reflection of Frank's Daredevil and Frank's alone. If it's Elektra, if it's Kingpin, if it's Bullseye, if it's the Hand, if it's Stick, that is Frank's epic run. A, a much more, I think, influential run uh, than, than what he did with Batman, and Batman was an absolute, you know, bolt of lightning. It was a jolt. It shook the entire industry. But occasionally now I see as, as people who are 30 years removed or weren't there or or resent that they weren't there, they weigh in and go, oh, it wasn't that good. Oh, what, what are you talking about? What are you even talking about? As I stated earlier, and we're going to circle back to this later, because again, if you, if, you, if you got a good look at the title, the title of today's podcast is, it's not you, comma, it's Batman. Whoo, boy, this one's loaded. This is a fun walk down memory lane, but we're going to do it. We're going to hold hands. Take my hand. I'm going to need you to hold my hand while we walk through this. It's scary, daddy. It's, it's scary out there, but, uh, old, old, um, old, some old stories. I'm going to shed some light on them, but the bottom line is, uh, people tend to try to spin that which they didn't experience 
to fit a narrative that they have, which is a kind of a byproduct of what we'll be discussing today. But really, in regards to creators and Frank being so instrumental, and I'll never stop talking about him because I don't want anyone to forget what he did. And Frank is not a young man anymore, but he's still prolific. He writes, he draws, he's incredible. Whatever he shows up to next, I'll follow. There are several names over the course of my career that I've done that with. The most recent names that I've done that in my fandom, in my in my consumption of comics, is someone like a Robert Kirkman. I came to know him from Invincible. I love Invincible. Invincible struck me again like a bolt of lightning. Through Invincible, he told me personally to check out his zombie book, in his words. I checked it out. I was blown away. Walking Dead was all that and more. It delivered. It was another just exemplary uh, piece of work, an example of what Robert is capable of doing these cool superheroes and then this cool action, adventure, horror, you know, saga. It's a giant saga and I got I got swept up. So I will pick up anything Robert does. It's, it's good for a sampling. It's good for a read. It's good for an adventure, whether it's Firepower, Oblivion Song. Robert Kirkman is a guy that I will follow. Now, some guys I really enjoy uh, more so what they do at the big publisher than I do on their own, but but I'll give it time. When Donnie Cates arrived at Marvel about five, four years ago, he did a run on Doctor Strange, and I wasn't paying attention. And who, who do you think turned me on to Doctor Strange? Jimmy J turned me on to Jock, Doctor Strange. Jimmy J said, Rob, have you checked out Doctor Strange? This is so up your wheelhouse. You'll love it. It was incredible. It was his, um, it's probably the most under-celebrated thing he's done because it was Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange has less eyeballs on it than Ghost Rider, than Thanos, than obviously Venom or Thor. But that Doctor Strange and the ideas, just the sheer breadth of the ideas um, that he was popping out, I will not spoil it because the ideas are the, just th- th- that is what makes that five, issues that I remember of Doctor Strange so eye-popping and so amazing. So then I'm like, well, I'm, I'm queuing into this Donny Cates. I'll, I'll read whatever he does. And I started to. And I did. Now I buy crossover as well because this is important. Because that's an independent book. Now he started in the independents. He started with his um, his image books uh, that, 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 that blew up that I, I don't have them in front of me and I don't have them on the tip of my tongue. And, and so that, that bears out that you're just going to have to go check out you know what what he has um, what he has done in Image Comics prior to his Marvel works, but at at the peak of what he was doing with Venom, he planned crossover, which has been his latest yielding his latest offering from Image Comics, and it has done extremely well. People are migrating to a Donny Cates um, written comic, no matter where it may be, because he's capitalizing on the biggest success of his career, which is the run that he has had on Venom. And he um, really took great risks with Venom. He had Venom has been around a very long time. Venom has never been this more popular in the comics. Uh, it beautifully, you know, coincided with Venom's film and, and, and so much of that, you know, helps and, and, and boosts the signal. Deadpool got the same exact signal boost. But in the comic books... All the other incarnations of Venom were not as they didn't take, they didn't stick um, in the in the same manner. And he's had some talent, you know, uh, you know, fly in and out of that character's history. But this latest relaunch was a perfect mashup. mashup. You got a McFarlane esque artist. You got Ryan Stegman is doing a, a version of Todd McFarlane while he is doing this book, which is how people prefer to see Venom. And, um, and again, if, if, if someone tries to diminish that, now we're back in the Frank Miller category. The, the Todd McFarlane version of Venom is the version of Venom that people seek out and try to emulate the most. It is also the most expensive to collect for a reason. So, um, and then you can say, but Eric Larson added the tongue. Okay, so by Eric Larson adding a tongue, um, you know, to, to go with those jagged teeth and that brawny depiction and the, that big giant jaw. Okay, somewhere between there you have your perfect 90s incarnation of Venom and when he is depicted like that, people flock towards him. So Donnie teams with a McFarlane-esque depiction of Venom. It blows up. They they really blow up the lore, the mythology. I, I, I only hear 
Vin Diesel when he was um, promoting uh, his um, his his sci-fi uh, franchise, which uh, which 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 is this Riddick Riddick when he was promoting the very first Riddick, he he would appear on all the different talk shows. Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS This Morning, 60 Minutes, because he was really trying to get people to get eyeballs on, on Riddick, which was the spinoff from the dark movie. I forget what the other word in that, um, um, Pitch Black, whatever it was, but they spun off Riddick, okay? He's had two Riddick standalone films that were called Riddick. And uh, it was during the um, Harry Potter boom and during the Lord of the Rings boom, and the new keyword in the culture was mythology. So whenever I am about to say, as I am in regards to Venom and Donny Cates and what he did, I, I'm going to say say it like like uh, Vin Diesel. Mythology. This is our mythology. You don't, you don't, <clears throat> we're trying to get people into the mythology. The mythology. We've got great mythology. Okay, so mythology. Don Pareto himself, mythology. We're family with mythology. Okay, so Venom leaned all the way into mythology, okay? And so so expanding where did the symbiotes come? War of the symbiotes, it you know, it 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 expanded and it and they've had two giant crossover events in the last ten, ten, uh, two years. The last two um between summer twenty nineteen and and summer now uh twenty twenty one, spring twenty twenty one, we've had these giant events. So so of course people are looking for higher profile venom books. And they're getting them. I mean, uh, Donny Cates books. They're looking for higher profile Donny Cates books and crossover fed that, fed that fever, that need, that desire perfectly. So it's the perfect case of a guy who had some indie success with his early image books. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then boom, Venom blows up, cr- crossover, Makes its way into your hands, and and now you're you're really looking to see what else is going to come out from Donny Cates. What's next from him from Marvel? What's next from him at Image? I have been told multiple ways to pronounce this gentleman's name. Is it James Tynan? Is it Tynan? Is it Tinian? Forgive me. I, I I have not met you. I have not seen the way they promote your name. He is without a doubt the hottest commodity that I can see um, in the comic book world right now. Now, now he came about as a protege, um, as I understand. He came about as a protege um, a, 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 or, or someone who was learning under. He was like, um, I remember in the beginning that they were um, promoting him as, as uh, at, least, at least from my understanding, he... He had some relation to Scott Snyder. I think Scott may have given him his, his, his first break. Maybe he studied under Scott. Um, James Tynan. Tynian. Tinian. I'm sorry. The fourth, okay? We're just going to call you James the fourth for the rest of this. That's, that makes it easier um, for me since you haven't been here to correctly give me your pronounce, pronounce, pronounce your name. Now, he came of age in the DC 52 era, which we're going to really discuss at great length here. He came of age during the 52 period, um, coming alongside uh, 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 some of the the um, Snyder-influenced books because Scott had come from, I think, American Vampire and some of these other uh, books. And he was, uh, you know, he got the the reins to Batman. He did an early Batman story with Jock. Then the New 52 happened. And Scott is writing Batman alongside Greg Capullo, it becomes the early darling of the DC 52 launch. Um, he, uh, he, he was co-writing, okay, um, with, with Scott Snyder, um, some of the Batman stuff. And, and he, uh, he then, uh, co-wrote Batman Annual Number 1 with Scott Snyder, featuring the artwork of Jason Fabok, great, great artist and great illustrator. And, uh, then, he, I think, oh, that's it. He got Talon. That's the that's the work I'm I'm thinking of because they had the 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 Court of Owls characters were spun off and one in one specifically was Talon. And so James Tinian Tynan, sorry, James the Fourth. He's bringing you this stuff, okay? James the Fourth, baby. And James the Fourth would then go on and start doing a lot of independent comics. This guy likes to write 
these, he's got tons of ideas. He, he has tons of concepts. Um, he, uh, he did a, uh, a series called the eighth seal for Thrillbent, a digital comic publisher. But, uh, besides his DC comics work, and there's a ton of it, and you can go look all the things that he's written. He is, he is not shy about doing work for DC comics. Um, he did bi-weekly stints on detective, but it was, uh, this brand new title that is that is that it that launched two years ago and I have many juicy minty copies because I took my retailers advice something is killing the children something is killing the children okay um something is killing the children is a giant success it it, it jumps out the gate it's it's um it, it it's a huge indie it's it's bigger than an indie success because it's doing commercial mainstream numbers he then follows this up with image with the, the department of truth and my friends who talk to me about comics my retailers they say his brand is the most smoking hot brand in comics there's no slowing it down he delivers again and again and again and again department of truth something is killing the children and something is is killing the children started honestly a, a, a giant like statement books like something is killing the children there is blood in the woods um someone is bleeding down the river these are all like new titles and, and i'm like that dude started it with something is killing the or is it someone is killing the children i i, I gotta go back and make make sure i'm i'm not uh I'm, I'm not i'm not screwing up something is killing the children okay great title great book um i have my minty juicy uh, copies, first prints of number one. I just love watching how how much my retailer buddies tell me that they're worth and the values that are shooting up. And it just makes me happy that I was one of those people who was smart enough to, to grab those. So James the Fourth is crushing it. He gets on Batman, becomes the new flagship guy following Tom King, who was following Scott Snyder, okay? And each of these guys gets to sit in the throne that is Batman. Batman is a throne. We're going to talk about this because, again, it's not you, comma, it's Batman, was said, stated, and understood for a reason. So the uh, the, the, the the Batman title that he takes over um, just happens to be married with, in my opinion, the absolute best artist working in comics right now, um, period, end of story, this guy is, and, and honestly, man, Jorge Jimenez is just absolutely crushing it, taking everyone to the woodshed. He reminds me of the best of the image guys in that the lit, the page layouts, the manga influence, the giant key shots on every page. He likes drawing big figures. He likes drawing big action. He does all of it. Fantastic. Um, he, he does beautiful faces, figures. It very much reminds it's it's the most imagey style comic I've seen, and when I say imagey style comic, I mean absolutely as possible as commercial as possible because that's what Image Comics was, and we owned that brand for about six to seven years. He does these amazing page layouts. He has dynamic storytelling because you know I hang it all in the storytelling. Great gestures, great faces. Um, he is a tour de force. I first saw him on Super Sons. He did some Justice League. And now he and James the Fourth were paired together on Batman, and James the Fourth decided to. And this is something that a retailer pointed out to me. He said, "He's," he said, "Dude, like New Mutants, like X Force, there's always a new character rolling in, and people are really tracking these first appearances." And um, you know, uh, recently, I, I think is, is it Ghost? Is it Ghost Killer? Ghost Hunter? Um, they they, they uh, Everybody has gone crazy over all of these these uh, characters that James the Fourth and Jorge have been introducing into into the comic. It started with Punchline, Punchline, which was the new kind of she was called the new Harley Quinn. That's not me saying it. That's what everyone was saying a year ago. It's the new Harley Quinn. 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 It's you know everyone was chasing it. She has affiliation with Joker. She has her own unique look. First appearance at Punchline, where is it? Second appearance at Punchline. And then, of course, they followed that up with these other series of villains that people were totally digging. And again, I just, I I, I don't want to get this wrong. I want to I make sure that I'm saying that the, the guy, he kind of, um, he, he has a kind of, if Deadpool was white and black, 
he would look like this ghost killer guy. I'm not, uh, um, let me, ghost maker. It's ghost maker. Okay. See, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing the receipts today. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know, d- doing just a, a little research so I don't get all these guys wrong. But anyway, there's, there's all sorts of new characters coming out of this run. It's driving the run. And my buddy says, Batman hasn't been this hot in 20 years. I go, what are you talking about? You mean hotter than when we launched the 52? He goes, Rob, hotter. We, we, this is the flagship book. The bet when, when, when James the fourth and Jorge Jimenez, Batman arrives, no matter what it's up against. If there's another Batman book that week, he says it gobbles it up. If it's Batman Fortnite, gobbles it up. If it's Batman, if it's Joker, you know, special, gobbles it up. If it's Detective, gobbles it up. If it's Death Metal, it gobbled it up. This has become the front-running um, flagship of all the Batman books. We, we can, my retailers, of which I speak to, because they teach me. I don't teach them, they teach me. And what they teach me is what people are buying and consuming and what people are sharing. And that's how it's always been. That's what made my career. That's what made my peers' careers. That's what made the careers of all the guys who I worship and envy and love and and um, just can't get enough of. So the bottom line is that this Batman book has been the flagship in in and yet Batman has always been the flagship. So what are you trying to say here? Well, what I'm saying is that Batman is the franchise that keeps on giving no matter what, no matter who. No matter what they do on Batman, it will not eclipse what's coming with Robert Pattinson. Just as 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 though the New 52 Batman, all of them, no matter how great, were not going to eclipse what was going on with the Chris Nolan trilogy that came out during that period. Especially, you know, when 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 The Dark Knight came out with Heath Ledger, with Christian Bale, Chris Nolan, that amazing vision, Dark Knight strikes back, Bane. You know, Catwoman. Um, these these hit a billion eyeballs simultaneously because of the favor that Batman has. He is DC's flagship icon. We've covered in the 70s and the early 80s, it was Superman. He had the movie Heat. He had the franchising, the Super Friends, the Lunch Pails. He was the face of DC. Batman edged that out as soon as Frank Miller walked in the door. And ever since Frank Miller walked the door, through the door, everyone has been doing Frank's Batman, a version of that. And if they deny it, they are not being honest with you or themselves because I was there. I watched it. I watched the transformation of Batman. Nobody's doing the Jim Apero Batman that I loved in my youth, but was losing ground. They are doing the more, the stronger, more powerful, more gadget oriented, um, more sinister version of Batman, more tortured version. Definitely cue on the tortured version. The most original version of Batman outside of Frank Miller that I've seen and that I've enjoyed is Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins because that was a wholly original take on Batman. There had never been a comic that had Christian Bale training under Reze's Ghoul in the Himalayas like that at that time at 2000, in 2005, okay? When, when, when this when this movie hits and and did not track the journey of Christian Bale leaving Gotham and and training under Ducard and then having Ducard turn out to be Reze's Ghoul who is now, you know, bringing down another version of the Roman Empire which he deems is Gotham City at that time. Very exciting, very original. Nolan Mashed up everything he liked, created this really original take that I had never experienced in comics up to then. Everything after that is some sort of retrofitting and 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 reshifting to fit that narrative because it was so popular and then it was pop it was followed up by these billion dollar franchises. And ever since then, we don't we Batman is always the blunt force instrument that Warner Brothers uses to get your attention and make the most amount of profits for them and their studio. Ben Affleck getting cast as Batman shook the world. Everyone was crazy. My wife and I, we were at a Cuban restaurant when it came across. I looked down at my phone. I'm like, oh my gosh, Ben Affleck is going to be Batman in the Superman sequel. And it's going to, you know, be called Batman versus Superman. And again, that's Warner Brothers saying Superman's not enough. It, we didn't do what we wanted. We want to give it some juice, give it some life. The giant needle that they are sticking in Superman's ass is Batman. You know, if, if he was going into the gym and he, and he was going to get yoked and get bigger and get stronger, the steroid, the 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 enhancement is Batman. And that is the needle that they stick into everything. Batman has the most straight-to-DVDs, the most um, animated adaptations, the series, Batman Beyond, the, the, the Paul Dini 
Bruce Timm animated series. There's no looking back. Since the age of Frank Miller, Batman has been the tour de force. He was the top book prior to the New 52 because I'm going to show you what Batman can do for you. Just Now, James the Fourth and Jorge are dining out at the very top of the comic book food chain given that their vehicle that they're giving this to you is Batman. Batman now is X-Men of the from the 1980s to the 2000s. Um, and, and, and it is the number one flagship title. Spider-Man can't dent it. Captain America can't dent it. That this is back in the, you know, when, when once X-Men went number one, there was no looking back. It was number one for a solid decade, for 10 solid years. Then it just kind of was number one most of the time for the next 10 years, but maybe not all the time, but for all the time, for 10 years, exiting the, the legacy building Cockrum burn work with Claremont. It just shot out like a rocket and nothing could stop it. And uh, even kind of issues of X-Men or eras that were not my favorite and I did not like the book. X-Men was not a book I enjoyed from like 1983 to 1987. I didn't like the stories. I thought they went down the wrong rabbit trails. Chris was avoiding some of the most popular tropes and interests that we have. And he was going in different directions because he didn't want to retread old ground. It wasn't until Jim Lee came in and said, we're going back to the Savage Land. We're embracing Magneto. We're doing the Hellfire Club. We're doing all this stuff. It wasn't until that time till we started to revisit some of those famous old haunts and it was the stuff that we wanted. I'm a, I'm a pro at the time and it was the stuff that I wanted. I wanted Kazar again, okay? I wanted the Imperial Guard, the Shi'ar Empire, all of that. It was revisited under Jim, Jim Lee's um, uh, uh, tenure as artist because that's what he liked. He grew up, he liked that stuff because it was great. He liked it because it was great. Again, back to nostalgia. Not because of the time it was, but the work that it was. It didn't matter when it was released. The work was, those pages, those stories are great today. They just happened to be at that time. Jim was a kid. He remembers how excellent they were. He wanted to raise the bar, meet the high bar, meet that standard. And, and, and X-Men was the, you wanted to get a big royalty check. You wanted to get the most eyeballs. You did a fill-in issue of X-Men. You did an annual of X-Men. You did a spinoff of X-Men. Batman for the last 20, maybe 30 plus years, that has been their flagship title. Whoever gets to sit at the top of the controls gets to glide on its glorious wings. It flies higher, faster, it goes stronger than anything else. So James IV, again, is following Tom King, who got to sit on the throne, experience what it meant to, to occupy that space, Gotham City, the Batcave, the Batmobile, Bruce Wayne, all of the offshoots. And he was following Scott Snyder, who inherited it, along with Greg Capullo. Now, neither of them had had a top-selling book prior to the New 52 getting on Batman the flagship title. And I got into, just to revisit and to explain it for those of you who were there, I got into a bit of a snafu uh, that we cleared up within a few weeks' time back in the day, but back in 20. 12. Um, it was actually Capullo whose work I had adored on The Haunt. I love The Haunt. The Haunt. What is The Haunt, Liefeld? The Haunt was a new image comic book that was launched two years prior to the 52, created by Robert Kirkman with Todd McFarlane. It was kind of like Images, Venom, Carnage, Symbiote. It was made to kind of, uh, it, it dealt with two brothers, the afterlife, but it was tapping into this visual that was very symbiote. And they would say, this is our Venom, our Carnage. I mean, you, you, would, you, you have to see it. Ryan Otley was on there working over Greg's layouts. Well, eventually Greg takes over. And I'm going to tell you, if you go catch those Greg Capullo pencil and inked issues of Haunt, they are among the best work he has ever done. I was like, wow, Greg is inspired. He clearly enjoyed working with Todd and Robert Kirkman and the work is killer. And it was kind of like the best Venom Carnage book that they were publishing, that, that was being published because it had kind of this, he has kind of this goop and this visual. And again, I mean, you're coming from the McFarlane world, the Robert Kirkman world, and then Greg Capullo takes over and pencils and inks this, or maybe Todd is inking him on this. It's a great comic. I loved it. I was consuming it. When Greg left, they ended the series. And at that time, the series was selling about 14,000 copies an issue. 14,000. 14. 14,000 copies an issue. And it was the best work I'd ever seen Greg do. And I can't imagine the, how frustrating that was 
that it wasn't getting better received. But I, myself, and my friends, we were digging it. Well, then he goes to uh, do Batman with Snyder. And now the book is number one. Batman is all the rage, except Batman was all the rage before the New 52. And then there was this new kind of... You understand, Batman was being used to bludgeon everyone else by Dan DiDio, the worst manager of DC Comics ever. The guy was awful. And... Uh, and 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 I I I did not enjoy my I've de- I've dealt my DC podcast deal with how underhanded and misleading and I mean look man again if you're gonna go sit down with Nanda Dio and he's gonna bash on everybody that you're about to take the work from you know because my mom taught me that way he's gonna bash you too okay it's uh it's 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 not just you know he, he he's sitting there bashing everybody that you are going to follow and um and 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 you're kind of going okay so and he's being very flippant and he's being very um rude and crude in some in some ways but again if you get up from the the uh the table and you go okay so he is um he is bashing Kyle Higgins uh so He's going to bash me eventually. That I'm I'm not going to be protected. This guy's loyalty is only to what's going to work for him at any given time. And he was shuffling the chairs so fast your heads were, were spinning. But it always came back to Batman, Batman, Batman. Well, Batman, Batman, Batman. And everyone heard about Batman, Batman, Batman. And you need to meet the criteria of Batman. And I'm like, dude, I even said to him, dude, Batman is Batman no matter who's doing it. So unless you have 100 Batman books and you're going to employ everybody on a Batman book, let people breathe, let people experiment. Oh, but what's, what's, what's Snyder and Capullo? I go, look, Greg was doing my better work, in my opinion, on Haunt than he was on Batman. That Haunt stuff is, it, go out, buy it. You guys are so good about seeking this stuff out, purchasing it, consuming it. Check out Greg Capullo's Haunt. The Ryan Otley issues are great. Ryan did um, finishes, le- uh, pencils over Greg's layouts, and then Greg took over. And I'm telling you, it was like having Greg Capullo on a symbiote comic. It was great. The stories were great. Robert was inspired. Robert was bringing it. Again, I'm following Robert. I buy Rob. I'm, I probably don't buy it other than Robert and Ryan because they're my invincible guys at the start, but I, I, it really hooks me. It's dynamic. I, I enjoyed Greg's work on that far more than I did anything he was doing on Batman. And yet it was like, oh, but his work on Batman, look, the Batman stuff sells better because it's Batman. But the haunt work, in my opinion, was more enjoyable to me. I am speaking strictly to my interaction. So it was, it just felt like everybody in the Batman family of books were walking a little taller, a little higher. But now in hindsight, looking back nine years, you can see the throne gets seated, it gets filled. Tom King sits in it, he's top guy. He leaves, James IV sits in it, he's top guy. Here's the deal. It's what you, it's what are you doing when you're the top guy? Because that's what we did. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about creators. What are you going to do to maximize the window that you have at hand? I took over a book. It was failing. It was doing 114,000 copies. I remember it like it was yesterday. Every issue was going up 20, 30, 40,000 when I got on the New Mutants because I made it exciting. It was boring. It was dull. Period. End of story. That doesn't mean it was bad. It was boring and it was dull. Those are the two words. Those are my safe words. New Mutants was boring and dull and Marvel informed me, if you don't turn this around, we're going to cancel it. So do whatever you want with it. Have fun. I gave pages to all my different inkers on Snake Eyes 5. Snake Eyes 5, by the way, is being inked by an all-star cast of illustrators, not inkers, illustrators. Some of the best, brightest, boldest names in the history of comics. Neil Adams, Jerry Ordway, um, Philip Tan, Wills Portacio, uh, you know, Eric Canetti. You got, you got uh, Ryan Otley. Yep, you didn't know he was on there. It is, the, the, there, there's some names I haven't released yet. I'm, I'm biting my tongue because I don't want to reveal names that I shouldn't reveal. Um, but just uh, uh, Corey Hampshire did phenomenal. Um, Sling Zinc as 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 good as Scott Williams. I mean, the, the, the Dan Frega, Marat Michaels, the, the Dan Panosian. These pages are outstanding. I handed them out to them, and I told everybody, "Go nuts, go nuts." If I'm inking myself, or I'm, I have a specific vision that I want consistently, I want it followed to my pencils. But when you are going to collaborate with this level of talent, I say, "Go nuts, go nuts." 
go nuts means make it your own, do whatever you want, make it fun for you so that what I get back is great. Because otherwise, Neil Adams is like, why am I going to ink these tight pencils? I'm going to put a little Neil in there. Please put a little Neil in there. Put a little Eric Kennedy in there. Put a little Dan Panosian in there. Do it. It's awesome. It rocks. The book looks great. That's what I was told to do with New Mutants. Have a little, you know, go nuts. I did. I brought in Cable. I brought in Shatterstar. I brought in Feral. I brought in Deadpool. I brought in Domino. I brought in Strife. I brought in Wildside, Forearm, Strobe. I brought in Thumbelina, okay? I brought in Kane. I brought in uh, the Six Pack. I brought in, I brought in Grizzly, okay? I, I brought in um, Gates. I mean, uh, uh, Bridge. I mean, I, I was unloading. I brought in Gideon. I brought everything to bear so that you would pay attention to my comic book, so that you would buy it, okay? I had to turn it around so I could keep pace with the top sellers that were X-Men and Spider-Man so that I wouldn't lose my footing. I wouldn't lose my ground, okay? Once I did that and I found that I had the favor and the interest and the following of fans, I knew that that window, I had to walk through it. I had to maximize it. I had to capitalize on it, capitalize on it. and I did. And I created Image Comics with my seven partners. Well, seven of us, told my six, six partners, we launched it. I was the first young boy out the gate. Youngblood had a ton of characters, but you know who? what else had a lot of characters? Brigade and Bloodstrike and Supreme and Glory and Prophet and Bloodwolf and the New Men, okay? Uh, you, you see where I'm going here? I expanded. I created this catalog, this library. And much like I said and touched on in an earlier podcast, Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, when was the last time you saw the new stories of those characters or the Phantom? A few here and there. I know Dynamite has those licenses, but they go on and off, on and off. And yet... 10 years worth of, and thousands of pages and hundreds of comics are in a treasure trove called the Extreme Studios Treasure Trove. Those comics sold millions. They connected me to a bigger audience. They expanded um, what I was doing. They showed that I was more than this or that, okay? Now, by the fact that I created all those characters for New Mutants and X-Force, I get, I get to go back and revisit them as their creator, as their originator, as, as someone who you remember giving you these characters and enjoying them the most. So I get to go back. And, and, and when people argue with me, I just go scoreboard sales. I am the best-selling cable of all time, the best-selling Deadpool of all time, the best-selling Domino of all time. It's 30 years now. Th those, are, those are likely going to hold. Um, I am the best-selling Youngblood, the best-selling Supreme, the best-selling Prophet. Todd is the best-selling Spawn. Jim Lee is the best-selling Wildcats. He's the best-selling X-Men, okay? Certain records stand. They stand for a reason because the favor, the appetite, the fever combined at that time to bring kind of this apex experience okay and uh that's what i did when i realized after two years and 24 25 issues of new mutants x-force combined at, at my legacy run i then took it and i made these young blood adventures and these brigade adventures and these blood strike adventures and you met cabot and you met shogun and you met um foreplay and you met deadlock and and you met you you, you met stasis and and atlas you know, and 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 you met. Uh, if I didn't say Battlestone already, Battlestone. I mean, we expanded. You met. You met. Uh, you know, John Prophet and Kirby, and 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 the disciples. And we just we just let it rip. I let it rip. And eventually, I was commandeering an entire operation of some of the best young talent, some of the best compensated, best salaried, positioned, uh, uh, page rate. And we went for it, but I had to walk through that door. And I see a lot of these guys who they don't walk through the door. They they stick to their stay, safe space. James the Fourth is not sticking to his safe space. He is like, I'm going to do Batman. I'm going to do a great Batman. I'm going to give you all these new characters. I'm going to give you Punchline. I'm going to give you Ghost Maker. I'm going to give you all this stuff. But at the same time, I'm going to give you something is killing the children. I'm going to give you the um, the 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 Department of Truth. And I'm sure he's got way more to come because he's expanding. Now, it's harder for artists to break off because the work is harder to do. We spend more time making the page than a writer. That's just an absolute fact. If we spend 10 hours right drawing a single page or 8 hours page for page, did that writer spend 8 to 10 hours on page 20, page 19? If they did, that's, in, that's enormous. If they did that for every page, that's something I've never heard of. Artists have to then visualize. They have to draw the environment, the characters, the costuming, the lighting, the hair, the action, the choreography. Obviously, the artist, it takes more time, so it takes more time away when they want to add to their plate without maybe leaving behind something that they favor or something that has already brought them to the dance. 
Could Jorge Jimenez do co- two comics a month? I, I, he has not shown that propensity. He's ridiculously reliable. He is my favorite artist in comics. I am buying Batman as a result of the new characters that James IV is giving us and the amazing art that he is providing us. Where he goes, I will follow. Where Jorge Jimenez goes, I will follow. Whatever, if he goes and does a, as, does a comic book in Image Comics, I'm buying it. I'm guaranteed lock, stock, barrel. I'm purchasing it. Period. End of story. Um, will will he come back to Batman someday and I'll be really excited like when I was when, when Frank came back? I will. I will. Um, Scott Snyder, in the middle of his run, expanded and... Um, did a, a, a book about witches. I don't want to say the wrong name. Um, he expanded during, while he was on uh, while he was on 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 Batman, and he expanded and and did more books. and And last year, I think Undiscovered Country, he did with him and Charles Soule. And and so again, he took his Batman, his death metal, and he has expanded. He already had. He came from American Vampire. Okay, he came from kind of what we, what we'll call a DC Comics indie went on a juggernaut called Batman. It boosted his signal. These are signal boosters. And if, in fact, creating your own characters, like Punchline, signal boosts Batman more, then it is like what I did with New Mutants, except New, New, New Mutants was more like where the Legion of Superheroes is right now at DC. And 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 I was fortunate to boost it. I'm using myself because I am the best example because I lived it. Not because I need... I am a great example of how this worked out, how a young Rob Liefeld was challenged, was scared, and responded to the challenge and achieved, and then maximized my window. Creators ride some of these vehicles too far, too long sometimes. They ride them too far, too long. And sometimes it's very sobering to step off and and pivot away from that guaranteed signal booster. And then you go, oh, wow. And many people right now don't want to know who they really are. Because some of the answers of who they really are as to who they are on the signal boost is um, disappointing. I'm going to tell you where I'm going to go. I'm telling you, eventually I'm only going to sell comic books that I print on my home printer and I sell to you out of the the garage, out of the back of my car. I'm going towards the most, I'm going backwards. I'm going in the most minor garage trunk uh, sales distribution model. um, and, And that's probably where... I can see my future, you know, printing my own characters, my own comics in little ash cans and little kind of, uh, kind of punk rock minded comic books, very limited distribution. Um, it, it, to me, doing the work is the reward. I have had huge sales successes. Um, I have rung the bell many times over. I am, you know, I've had a great career. Now I, I, I'm not so much in the rat race running and, and, and trying to, get the biggest signal boost possible. I kind of try and stick with what I am familiar with and go from there. I like to work with characters that I created and 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 and, and that gives me my most maximum um, creative satisfaction. But some of these guys right now in the last 20 years, they're scared to step outside and find out what their real metric is. Don't be. Do it. Take that risk. Take that gamble. Find that that metric can always be improved and one day it'll turn into you selling your catalog for umpteen millions of dollars. And, 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 and it, but it has to happen with the pivot away. Easier for writers, harder for artists. I get it. And so I can't give you a battle plan as how to do that. When we, when I left to do young, but I thought I could coexist and continue to do X-Force. Um, it is a tough challenge. It is a, um, High bar to clear, but it can be done. Some of these guys are really crushing it. Noctura, that's the other Scott Snyder. That's the other Scott Snyder book that he, he launched recently with Tony Daniel, who was literally, I think, penciling nonstop for DC Comics for 15 years from Teen Titans, which was doing well. But then again, Tony Daniels goes on Batman signal boost. Batman, Mark Miller, once Mark Miller of the Ultimates, Mark Miller of who you probably know best right now from Jupiter's Legacy. Mark Miller of Kick-Ass. Mark Miller of Wanted. He said to me as we were exchanging ideas and thoughts, one day he goes, oh, well, come on. Batman is the greatest career boost, the greatest career, um, you know, uh, 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 medicine that, any, that anyone could ever ask for. If the career is waning and, and, and you go back on that, boom, you're relevant in, in a big way because Batman is the flagship. He may be the most important character in comics. I point out all the time, Deadpool has the most Funkos of any Marvel character. Funko Pop, 
which now you can walk into 7-Eleven, point of purchase, Funko Pop, microwave, Funko Pop, side side um, shelf right as you walk in, Funko Pops. What Funko Pop did in the pandemic was like, wow, if Target and, and, and Costco and, and Walmart are closed, how do we get our product to the masses? Well, people are still going to the mini marts. They're, they're leaving their house and they're getting a thing of milk. They're getting juice. And of course, they didn't know when thing was, things were going to reopen. And the fact that they're there now means that deal was cut six months ago. Deadpool 30th anniversary Funko Pops are at my 7-Eleven when I go in to buy a bag of chips or some Reese's peanut butter um, uh, cups or a Slurpee. They're right there. Behind me is a dedicated shelf to the Deadpool 30th anniversary. And of course, there's like, there's 30 of them. And then if you walk by where you microwave the food, there is a small little point of purchase kiosk. So three different places in this very tiny market are selling you Deadpool. Deadpool is the number one produced Funko Pop from Marvel by Funko. Amazing. He exceeds Spider-Man by, by quite a few. But he is looking up at Batman. So this isn't about tooting Deadpool's horn. It's about me telling you that in the Funko Pop world, the number one Funko Pop is Batman. Bigger than comics, bigger than movies. Um, the, the, the movies give him a signal boost like no other. But in comics, he is DC's flagship. And getting on that flagship makes you more relevant because the signal boost is the biggest that you're going to get. That is why um, in the beef that I was having years ago, I had made mention to a member of the Batman team who no one still knows exactly who I was talking to. I was actually not talking to Scott Snyder. He engaged me in what I thought was an aggressive manage manner. I made the mistake of taking it public. And then we started this woo Twitter flame war. I gained probably 20,000 followers that weekend for people wanting to watch because I was much mouthier than I am now. I wanted to engage. I ran. I mean, I was, we were sparring back and forth. I was, I was at a soccer game waiting for my daughter to take the field and all. And my wife was like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the zone. I was just going back and back, back and forth at 11 AM, whatever that Saturday was in the summer of 2012 and trading barbs with Scott Snyder, who we had decided to double down and go after it. And uh, it, it, it was my mistake. I apologized. Scott apologized. We swept it under the rug. We had a great night after we kind of came, came, had our come to Jesus moment. I wish Scott well. I, I, I buy so many of his books. I wish him nothing but success. But it wasn't about Scott. He stepped in said, is this about me? Then boom, I was in an aggressive, you know, I was in the mood. I wanted to fight. We fought. It was stupid. But the underlying notion has never changed. And looking back now, a decade later, it's not you, comma, it's Batman applies to all. It applies to all, not just one person. It applies to all. The guy, in my opinion, who brought us to the dance is Frank Miller. Don't believe me? Again, I will always double down. Stephen King, the horror maestro behind The Shining, It, you know, um, um, The Stand, Carrie, all of it. The biggest horror, maybe the most successful writer of all time. In Detective 600 says, Batman was dead, but for Frank Miller. Don't take my word. Take Stephen King's. It's not you. It's Batman is refers to the signal boost. But then what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You're going to go out there. You're going to make another hit book that you can control and own and, and create your own treasure trove. I have a treasure trove. I created it based on my biggest success that I generated for myself off New Mutants and X-Force. This is your rallying cry. So many of you young artists and writers, you listen to me, you say you're inspired by me. Maybe it's Kickstarter. Maybe it's a platform. My buddy Marat Michaels, who, you know, cut his teeth at Extreme Studios, has been killing it on crowd-funded platforms and bringing his comic work to the masses in a way that he is he has never experienced yet. He's, he's having a resurgence. One of the biggest resurgence in, in, in a career I have seen in a guy who is meticulously managing crowdfunding and so many of you, whether it's an indie label, maybe it's a boom, maybe it's an image comics, maybe it's your own self-published, maybe you're going to be like me selling comics out of, the, out of the back of your trunk, little black and white ash cans that, that old 60-year-old Rob Liefeld's like, can I interest you in this? Um, look, there is so much out there to maximize your ideas, your concepts, and, and to just take the money and run. And, and that's not literally the money. That's a, that's a, that's a, take the opportunity, take the opportunity and run, take the opportunity that the windows are out there. They're wider than ever. They're more varied than ever. Social media has opened it up 
it, it, it's such a big canvas. Make sure that you are taking advantage of that canvas. And if you are going on one of these books and you are getting that signal boost, don't get drunk on it. Don't stay too long at the dance. Every signal boost expires. The batteries wear out on the bat signal eventually, and they have to turn it off and re and reboot it and 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 put it up to a new power source. Okay, um, don't be that guy who stays and and when the lights dim. I've seen that too. You got to get out there. You got to. You got to make that opportunity happen while the signal is at the maximum boost. It may make you a little more uncomfortable. It may test you more than you had anticipated, but it's worth it. I've done it. So many of my peers have done it. But at the end of the day, Marvel and DC have amazing catalogs with some of the best and most favored characters in the history of these of comic books, of, of just we'll just go comic books beyond just movies. We don't get any of this great stuff without the work that we do in the comic books. And so they have these amazing catalogs. And if you bring your best, they'll benefit, you'll benefit, and the memory of what you did will be there for you to go back to. So a little bit of an Up With People episode, a little bit with uh, in encouragement, examining the incredible success of James the Fourth and all of the success that he has created from his um, throne. I don't know how long he'll be there, um, but he is certainly one of the biggest, most successful names in the business right now, and he has expanded his reach beyond what he is doing with Batman. It's exciting to watch. There is a history. There is a history of, 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 of this. Jim Starlin did his Adam Warlock, did his Captain Marvel, went and did his Dreadstar. I followed him on everything. Again, I follow the artist. I follow the creator. The creator's voice is what I fall in love with, much more than the character. Again, I'm going to close with how I opened. Frank Miller got me to buy a pulp crime comics with Sin City. He made me care about the Battle of Thermopylae with 300. He made me love Daredevil, a comic book I wasn't picking up, picking up uh, other than randomly checking out. And he made me love Batman in a way I never have before. That is the power of the creator and the creative voice. And, uh, and, and if you have it, get after it. There is no time like the present. And that window doesn't stay open forever. Um, so, so, so make sure that you can maximize it. And up with people, baby. Up with creators. Thank you for always, you know, I, I get so much so much great feedback from all of you creative types in the social media space. And I appreciate it. So today, I figured, let's examine what was that all about. It's not you, comment. It's Batman. What are you going to do with it? That's the challenge. And, uh, and, 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 and that is the hill to be climbed, the mountain to be conquered. So one last aspect of this entire uh, Signal Boost uh, uh, franchise uh, uh, idea concept, you know, um, the, the exploration of this that, we're, that, we're, that, I'm, that, I'm, that I'm bringing you today is, is uh, from the actor side, because they're creators. I mean, you know, without actors, we wouldn't have plays and movies and television, and you know this, and, and, and so often... Actors uh, find themselves in in roles that they're that they're comfortable with, that they want to revisit, and sometimes when 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 one of those roles goes super big, they immediately rush to signal boost something else. Uh, we've seen this for as long as there has been cinema. It really kind of uh, crystallized and and was maximized in 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 the eighties when uh, Sylvester Stallone who had done Rocky, okay? And, and I had seen those movies as a kid. They came out in my, you know, youth. And uh, he had the successful uh, Rocky franchise. And that, that was his clout. That's that's what he traded on. It made him a movie star. The, the movie won uh, Academy Awards. And and so I remember, uh, you know, Rocky, Rocky, uh, Rocky 1 and Rocky 2 had come out. And then my sophomore year in high school, in the fall... October of 1982. That that must seem like such a crazy old number to you guys, but it was so. My sophomore and junior year in high school were my, were my favorite years. Senior year, you're just kind of all you're doing is looking to get out of school. So I love senior year, but sophomore and junior year was like you've learned. Your freshman year, you've got that you, you know got, you got the controls. You're having a good time. So this was a really fun time, and I had a great group of buddies and friends, and and uh, the word spread after one weekend. This movie that Stallone was in called First Blood. First Blood, a brand new 
role for Sylvester Sloan. It absolutely blew up at the box office. Just, it was the buzz of Monday morning. I did not see it opening weekend. I needed that buzz. My friend said, oh my gosh, have you seen First Blood? He plays this guy named John Rambo. Oh, he takes on this whole town, corrupt law enforcement. And the next weekend, I made sure that I got in to see First Blood with me and my buddies. And we were cheering and screaming. And John Rambo was our new favorite thing. And and so you could Sylvester Stallone's power within the business was maximized that weekend. He was a two franchise player. That signal boost from Rocky and and the audience awareness brought us into our seats in in First Blood. And then a year later, he did Rocky Three with with Mr. T, and Rocky Three was bigger than ever. And you could just see them feeding off of each other. And then the summer that I graduated high school, my senior year. So, so May, May of, uh, of, of 1985 is First Blood Part 2. And it's bigger, it's badder, it's better. And it has this giant opening weekend. And it only completely solidifies the two pillars. That Stallone is now Rocky, Stallone is John Rambo. And you love him both. And he just can bounce between those carefully, comfortably. But he wanted to go for a third bite at the apple. And in the summer of 86... He went straight into Cobra. You guys, my friends and I, we were on Lake Havasu in in two houseboats, all my college age buddies. Um, I was just about, or had just, I would would break into comics about six months later. We are um, going to see movies at night, spend all day on the lake, go see movies at night. The first night we got outvoted to go see Top Gun, all the girls with us. The young ladies wanted to see the Tom Cruise vehicle. We did. I was blown away, but that just punted us to the next night where we saw Cobra. And I, I love Cobra, but Cobra did not take at the box office in the same way that Rambo and that Rocky did. But man, that poster, I had it on my wall, Sylvester Stallone, Cobra, so badass. And I thought, this is for sure. Wow. He's going to have now this cop on top of this, you know, renegade um, soldier and this boxer. But uh, that was not meant to be. But that didn't didn't dent him whatsoever. He still had Rocky. He still had Rambo. He still had his huge pillars. Um, later on, with Cliffhanger and Demolition Man and Judge Dredd, Sylvester Stallone would continue to seek out other new franchises with varying degrees of success, but nothing ever replaced Rocky and Rambo. Obviously, Rambo would get a third. Rocky four. In 1985, Christmas 1985, I mean, you want to talk about a one-two punch. You had First Blood Part 2, Summer 85, Christmas 85. You have Rocky Four against the Russian Drago. I must break you. I must break you. Oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, Stallone had a run, and that signal boost was amazing. And again, he used it to get into comedies, which he had done some comedies briefly before Rhinestone, that stuff. I'm aware. I know the catalog, but he he looked to expand. Sylvester Stallone, I mean, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was falling along the same path. He had Terminator. Terminator is his go-to. Terminator is the franchise he keeps returning to in hopes to refresh, refresh his image, refresh his appeal. Just like when Creed came out and we saw the the, the next level, the next extension of what Stallone was doing. These franchises are there from them. Creed blew up. Creed 2, now he's not going to be in Creed 3. That's now Michael Jordan's franchise. Well, now, isn't that funny? One actor's franchise became another actor's safe dominion, safe domain, okay? So so it's just it just keeps rolling one after the other. These guys find these franchises. Stallone, uh, uh, Sylvester, um, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 like combining in, in my head. I Schwarzenegger with Terminator could have had, in my opinion, equally as potent a franchise in Predator. Um, I I I wish he had stayed around for Predator Two. I love Predator Two. I love Danny Glover. Saw it opening night. Come on, I mean I mean I'm I'm down. I'm with it. But uh, but you know the, these these directors. They get franchises too. Ridley Scott with Alien. It is his safe space. It is where he goes. Sylvester uh, Steven Spielberg had Jurassic Park. Obviously, George Lucas had the two, in my opinion, two biggest franchises ever to bounce between. Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Star Wars, Indiana Jones. I mean, the guy, uh, you get these two franchises and you bounce between them. And then you have this, this safe space, this place where you can go back that fans want to see you go back to because they 
They have such great memories of you there, but then you can use it to experiment and you can use it to then go say, hey, you guys love me. I'm going to go be in a comedy. I'm going to go be in Twins. And, 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 and Twins was a giant comedy. And again, that opened a door for Kindergarten Cop. And, 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 and so Schwarzenegger, again, you use your signal boost uh, to better your creative um, reach and, 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 and it, it, it helps you expand and, and, and open other doors that may be closed knowing that, you know what, I can always go back and I can always reprise John Rambo. I can always reprise Sylvester, uh, <laughs> Rocky Balboa. Okay. So, so again, and, and, in the last Rambo, some people didn't like it. I loved it. It was the most gruesome, awesome. I loved it. It was, it came out, uh, the fall before the pandemic, I believe, um, but I mean, I've, I've seen every Rambo, I've seen every Rocky, I've seen them multiple times. They're the roles I enjoy him the most in. Do I see Cliffhanger and Demolition Man? I see all those as well. Um, do I see Tango and Cash? Sure. Tango and Cash, again, he was trying. He was trying to add that third. The modern day version of this is The Rock, right? With Jumanji. He has Jumanji. He has, fast, he has the fast franchise. The Rock finally got after Doom and some of these other um, failures to, 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 to launch Scorpion King. He fits right in with the Fast family, becomes one of the most important aspects of it, gets his own franchise from it. Then suddenly Jumanji happens. They reboot Jumanji after two decades and it becomes maybe his biggest franchise. And now he's got Black Adam, okay? And, and I mean, so so he continues to expand and The Rock wants those franchises because within those franchises gives you the ability to, to then go out and experiment and maybe do something more and continue to add. And that is the benefit of having something like the signal boost, getting that one franchise and then turning it into the other. And really that is what It's Not You, It's Batman is all about recognizing that while you are sitting on that Batman throne, other opportunities will open to you. Do you take them or do you just go, you know, I'm going to do Batman for five, six years and I'm only going to do Batman. And by that time, maybe you stayed too long at the dance. Again, if... If, if if Stallone doesn't break out after Rocky 2 and go do First Blood, I'm not sure Rocky 3 is as popular as it, as it is. He was feeding on this. It's called a cult of personality. We've all been there. You don't think that the Image 7 capitalized on that? I knew that you enjoyed my, my ideas, my artwork, my storytelling. So I expanded it. I gave you more than X-Force. I created, again, Youngblood. Open that door. Um, Mark Silvestri gave you more than Wolverine. He gave you Cyberforce. Sav- Eric Larson showed you, I'm way more than, than Spider-Man. I'm Savage Dragon. And we all created these families and that's the kind of the greatest expansion of a signal boost in the history of the business that we are in, which is, which is comic books. And of course, Marvel uses its own signal boost to rely on the fact that you are going to lean into whatever they give you next. You are going to watch the Disney Plus shows. You are going to watch the Eternal Sight Unseen. You are going to watch Black Widow. You are going to watch Shang-Chi. Um, they are currently you know, in possession of the biggest signal boost of all space and time. So again, just wanted to round it out with some of those actors, those roles. Bruce Willis, got to be honest, after outside of Die Hard, never found that other signal boost. While he was on Moonlighting... Top show, critically acclaimed, Die Hard happened. And it was almost like Moonlighting and Die Hard were his two franchises until Moonlight, the series ended. And then he, while he did, you know, um, the River movie with Sarah Je- Jessica Parker and, and 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 some of these other films, I, I, certainly I love, you know, his sci-fi outings. But um, but I'm telling you, Die Hard is, it, w- w- there was never a companion piece that he could run alongside. Again, the guy's a great actor. 12 Monkeys, so much I, I see all the Bruce Willis stuff, but um, and again the great appearance in 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 uh, Pulp Fiction, but the, but those aren't franchises that he was able to comfortably return to. So that's what I'm talking about. So great examination of the signal boost. Now this is the time at the end of every episode where I am able to read the great reviews that you guys are listening that, that you guys are listing for me, and I just I literally cannot believe how generous and kind and wonderful you are being in spreading the word. I I need your help, you guys. Please continue to help me um, spread the word and signal boost this show. Signal boost observations. I, I, I am so thankful for all of the positive reviews that you guys leave, for the word of mouth, for the way that you're sharing with your friends. That, uh, please subscribe. Um, um, get the word out. I appreciate it. Today, I'm going to read a review from uh, Tomaker or Tomiker. I'm going to call it Tomaker, T-O-M-I-K-E-R. Hey Rob, 
Just wanted to say that this podcast really inspired me to pursue a career in writing comic books. My wife is an artist and we are slowly but surely working on an independent comic book. She's a fantastic artist and she also listens to your podcast. I learned a lot of history listening to your episodes. This podcast is solid. The title of this review, thank you very much, is called The Best. No Tomaker, you're the best. Two Miker, Tomaker, thank you for your review. Thank you guys for being so generous in every possible way with the show. Um, continue to um, to share it online, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm on all these platforms. Please interact with me on Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld. Blue check. The reason I mentioned the blue check is that it's really me. There are so many phony accounts and, and with, with with all sorts of uh, different um you know, uh, uh, profiles and different personalities on, on, on social media, that blue check actually ensures that you are interacting with the real version of that person. I am at Rob Liefeld on Instagram. On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld, full name, Robert Liefeld. Um, find me on both platforms. Also, blue, blue checks. It's really me. I love talking to you guys. I try and respond to everything that you guys throw at me, all the stuff that you say. Um, if you're going to insult me, you're just going to get muted. I'll, I, it, it'll go, boom, mute. I, in case you're wondering, it just goes away. I don't respond. It's as if it didn't happen. That's the way to handle that stuff. Took me, you know, a decade to use to, to learn Twitter, um, you know, uh, uh, etiquette properly. But I, I'm in there now. I'm an older. I'm older. I'm wiser. Okay. So, so I'm all over Facebook. I'm all over social media. I love hanging with you guys. I love talking to you guys. Please continue to reach out. Let's hang. Let's talk. Let's chat. You guys are going to take care of yourselves. You're going to stay safe and we are going to talk again real soon. 